Monks are the pinnacles of discipline and martial technique that test the limits of humanoid capability. Warlocks are the servants of eldritch beings who've bestowed upon them unknowable cosmic powers in exchange for dark and mysterious packs. When combined, you get a sword-wielding martial arts master whose intense training is empowered by the dark gods. Epic. Warlock has always been the multi-classing darling, providing some of the best value a single level in anything can provide. The monk class gets passed over often in that regard, but actually boasts a ton of powerful features in the first couple levels. While these classes don't necessarily mesh well at really at all in their later tiers, as dips we can gain a ton of power using Warlock to enhance a monk playstyle or using monk to enhance a Warlock playstyle. We're also not shifting too hard into different ability scores as both classes are mainly dexterity dependent, and while their core features clash on wisdom and charisma, we can build in such a way that we can ignore one or the other. Ultimately though, you play a monk warlock to play a martial DPS powerhouse for massive damage. We're looking to pile additional damage through multiple attacks by using hexes and buffs. We're hoping to crush whatever we run into quickly and then regain all the features from both our classes on a short rest. The downsides are not hard to spot here. Our features don't really work well together other than the first couple level dips. So any sort of 50-50 split will end up as a sad collection of incoherent features. Much like myself. We're also mixing a martial class and a spellcasting class, so we're having to limit ourselves down to specifically the martial-focused warlock archetypes. That means Hexblade, which is never a bad thing, but it still means there isn't much variety. The Monk's Martial Arts feature also scales with Monk levels, so a dip into Warlock means getting that improvement even later. Finally, just like any other multi-class build, we're going to give up entirely on Capstone features, Late Game features, and that Level 20 feature. And to add on top of that, you'll be getting your Mid Game features later, even if it's only a dip. When it comes to when this multi-class really kicks in, every build we're going to do here relies on combining the first and second level martial arts and key features of the monk with one of the warlock's first level archetype features. This means that in each of our build's cases, we'll be kicking in with three class levels. Now let's talk about the class features that we care about. We've only got a few monk abilities and warlock abilities that really synergize with each other, and a few more that will matter for every other build, or at least most of them. Starting with our significant monk features, we have unarmored defense. Monks get a special defensive option that provides them with an alternate AC equal to 10 plus their dexterity mod plus their wisdom mod, so long as they're not wearing armor. We're likely getting armor anyway from our warlock levels, so we can ignore this on mainly warlock builds. But for mainly monk builds, this will be our best AC source at higher levels when our wisdom mod pushes up past what medium armor grants. Next we have martial arts, and this is the core defining monk feature that improves our unarmed strikes and allows us to make an unarmed strike as a bonus action. Remember that this is different from Flurry of Blows, and it's basically the default free punch that we can make without spending key or any other resource. The monk unarmed strike damage die is a 1d4 instead of just a measly 1, and it improves with monk levels to 1d6, 1d8, and eventually 1d10. Though if we're only dipping into Monk, we're going to have to make do with just the D4. Next we have Key, and these are your mystical resources that you spend to fuel most of the Monk's actions. Technically, you gain a number of Key points as shown on the table, but it's basically equal to your Monk level starting at 2nd level. And starting at 2nd level, we get 3 abilities we can spend those Monk points on. 
Flurry of Blows is the best one we'll be using most often, and it works exactly like our martial arts extra unarmed strike, but if you spend a key point for Flurry of Blows, we make two extra unarmed strike attacks instead. Patient Defense lets us dodge as a bonus action at the cost of one key point, which is situational but still very useful. And finally, Step of the Wind lets us dash, and finally, Step of the Wind lets us dash or disengage as a bonus action for one key and also doubles our jumping distance for the turn. Next we have unarmored movement. Very simply, monks get extra movement speed. When you first gain the feature with your second monk level, it's 10 feet of extra speed and it improves to 15 feet at 6th level, 20 feet at 10th level, 25 feet at 14th level, and 30 feet at 18th level. Just the 10 extra feet is a huge boost to speed and you'll typically be able to maneuver yourself however you'd like in combat. And then we have Dedicated Weapon. In the optional rules, monks got this new second level feature that lets them turn any weapon into a monk weapon, so long as it doesn't have the heavy or special weapon properties. For us, most importantly, this means that whatever weapon we use for our Hexblade, we can also make into a monk weapon. And then we have Key Fueled Attack. Also gained from the optional rules, monks gain key field attack at third level, which lets them spend a key point not on unarmed strikes, but on another attack with a monk weapon. Usually we're going to be better off with a flurry of blows instead, but there are some situations where a bigger hit will be better than two little ones. And then starting at third level, we get Deflect Missile, which we can use as a reaction to reduce the damage taken by 1d10 plus your monk level plus your dexterity modifier. You only have one reaction, but it's incredibly handy to essentially negate the odd arrow that flies at you. And then at fourth level, we get Quickened Healing, and you can spend two key points to heal a number of hit points equal to a roll of your martial arts die plus your proficiency bonus. It's not a huge amount of healing for the cost, but you regain key on a short rest, and that healing can come in handy. And then at fifth level, we gain Focused Aim. You can increase your attack roll by plus two for every key point you spend, up to a max of plus six. This means every time you're pretty sure you were close to getting the hit, you can bump it up after your roll to push it through. And then we have extra attack. Just like most martial classes, we get this at fifth level. This means we can make two attacks with our primary weapon and make a bonus action unarmed attack using martial arts, or with a key point, a flurry of blows gives us a total of four attacks two with our primary weapon, and two unarmed strikes. Next we have Monastic Tradition. We don't really need to hit the third monk level if we're focusing on Warlock. If we're core monk, however, we're taking a pick, and sadly, nothing adds a ton to the build, and it's more a matter of picking something that doesn't actively clash with it. The exception being the Way of the Long Death, which shines when combined with the Undead Patron. And then at 7th level we have Evasion, and this lets us take half damage from failed deck saves and no damage from past deck saves. A great feature if we're going on the long monk route. And now for our Warlock features, starting with Pact Magic. Warlock spellcasting is unique, with very limited spell slots that recharge on a short rest with Charisma as its spellcasting ability. We can get a ton of use out of the Warlock spells, particularly the spell Hex. Often called the best cantrip in the game and the most effective spell at consistent damage in the game, Warlocks gain access to the spell Eldritch Blast. The monk levels won't add to this in any way, but it's nice to have this range damage option in your pocket if you can't quite get within punching range. Then we have Hexblade, which is one of the most common multi-class archetypes, and it's easy to see why. With just the first level archetype abilities, you get Hexblade's Curse and Hex Warrior that together give you a pile of abilities. First, you get medium armor, shields, and martial weapon proficiencies. You also get to turn a weapon into your Hexblade, which lets you use charisma for attack and damage rolls, not something we're caring about here, but 
still pretty cool. We care more about the Hexblade's curses, though, which lets you doom a target for a ton of buffs against them, including extra damage to them equal to your proficiency bonus, crits on 19 and 20, and gains us hit points when we kill the target of our curse. The bit we really care about, though, is that proficiency to damage bonus, since it triggers on every single attack. We can stack that bonus up by making a ton of attacks using Flurry of Blows. And then we have the Undead. At first level, this patron grants you the Form of Dread, which as a bonus action turns you into your spooky form, which gives you temporary hit points and inflicts a frightened chance on one of your attacks each round. Hexblade still beats this in most cases, but we have a specific build that synergizes with it. And then we have Packed Boons. Gained at third level, we get a special gift from our patron that really solidifies our strategy. For any martial strategy, this is almost always Pact of the Blade. And then we have Eldridge Invocations, which are a great big list of magical abilities we can pick and choose from Carte Blanche style. We get up to two of these at second level and then slowly get drip-fed more options as we advance in Warlock level. There's a lot to go over, but for now, know a few of these invocations will be key for certain builds. When it comes to ability scores, right off the bat, both classes are dexterity-based and it should be your highest score. After that, it gets a little more complicated. Many of our monk features care about wisdom, and many of our warlock features care about charisma, and if our class level split was even, we'd be forced to care about both ability scores. But since we're just doing level dips and the features we care about in either case don't really rely on those stats, we can have our cake and eat it too most of the time. If you are a primary monk with a level dip in Warlock, Wisdom should be your second highest ability score, and we can use the minimum charisma required for multiclassing, which is 13. If you are a primary Warlock with a level dip in Monk, charisma should be your second highest ability score, and we just need the minimum wisdom required for multiclassing, again, 13. Then, as a martial class, we do need to worry about staying alive on the front line, so Constitution should be our third highest stat. Whatever you do, you'll need to make sure to meet the minimum multiclassing requirements for both Monk and Warlock, which means at least a 13 Dexterity, Wisdom, and Charisma. Finally, in every version of the build, we don't care about Strength or Intelligence, and we can use both as dump stats. When it comes to multiclassing equipment, weapons for this multiclass used to be way more problematic, but thanks to the Monk's newish dedicated weapon feature, a lot of the old restraints are are gone. We just need to select a weapon that fits both the now much more lax requirements for monk weapons and also the requirements for a hexblade, which together kind of looks something like this. Now this all may sound like a lot, but it actually leaves us a ton of options, even ranged weapons. It's also important to note that the versatile ability isn't on this list, and we can make our unarmed strikes even while two-handing a versatile weapon. This means for raw damage output, our best options are the battle axe, longsword, or warhammer. Each of these are functionally identical 1d8 weapons with the versatile feature that lets us upgrade to 1d10, and the only difference is dealing bludgeoning, piercing, or slashing damage. Now you may be asking how we're using dexterity for those obvious strength weapons, but thanks to dedicated weapon we can treat all of them as monk weapons and swing them around using dexterity to our heart's content. When it comes to armor, we're basically stuck using the unarmored defense feature. We aren't allowed to use the martial arts feature while wearing armor or using a shield. So 10 plus dexterity and wisdom modifiers will have to suffice. Now when it comes to what class you should start off with, objectively starting with the monk gives you slightly more to work with. You don't get an additional skill, but you do pick up a bonus tool or instrument proficiency. But you can honestly start with either one if you really want to. You'll end up with all of the proficiencies we care about in either case, so the main choice is between saving throws. 
Monk grants proficiency in strength and dexterity saves, while Warlocks grant wisdom and charisma saves. Feel free to start with either, but I do think starting with a Monk level is slightly better. And now to briefly discuss feats, as with most martial caster class combinations, there's one feat you really should consider, and that's Warcaster. Warcaster has three benefits, and all three are powerful boosts if we plan on both casting spells and getting into melee. It gives us advantage on concentration checks made to maintain our spells, it lets us cast spells even when our hands are full of weapons or shields, and it lets us cast spells in place of normal attacks when making attacks of opportunity. When it comes to Monk Warlock spells, even just a single Warlock level gets us a couple cantrips and a recharging first level spell slot with Pact Magic. So what in the Warlock spell list benefits us the most for a Martial Caster build? I often recommend the melee cantrips like Booming Blade or Greenfire Blade, but sadly they don't work here. Both Martial Arts and Flurry of Blows require us to take the attack action to activate, and using the melee cantrips clashes with that since you actually use the the cast a spell action that just happens to involve your sword. Instead, we want to focus on spells that we can use to buff ourselves before hitting combat, spells that stack up more damage or ranged options for when the target stays out of melee range. Let's start with the cantrips that we can make the most out of. First, we have the ultimate cantrip, Eldritch Blast, which is no less useful even if we aren't building for it. For pure ranged damage potential, it's hard to argue against picking this one up. Then we have Mind Sliver. This mind-bending cantrip forces an intelligence save that deals 1d6 psychic damage with cantrip scaling and reduces their next saving throw by 1d4. It has a range of 60 feet, and I like it for some extra damage and potentially combining it with a more impactful effect on the next turn when you close the distance. And then we have Sword Burst. Like a mini thunder wave, you force a dex save in the area around you, inflicting 1d6 force damage with cantrip scaling on a failure. Normally a bad pick for squishy casters, it's a fair option if you find yourself surrounded in melee. Next, let's look at some of the useful first level spells, starting with Armor of Agathis. This grants you 5 temporary hit points and inflicts 5 cold damage on anybody who hits you in melee while you have any of those hit points remaining. This one is particularly useful because it lasts for an hour and doesn't use concentration which means we can cast it long before combat starts and still gain the benefits. It's important to note that this scales up by 5 points each for every slot level above the first. Then we have Arms of Hidar. This hits everyone within 10 feet of you with a strength save for 2d6 necrotic damage and a prevention of reactions until their next turns. Extremely useful if you find yourself surrounded and can act as a getaway as your targets shouldn't be able to hit you with attacks of opportunity as you flee. And then we have Hellish Rebuke, which punishes a foe that's able to hit you for 2d6 fire damage. It's not fantastic since it requires you getting hit in order for it to work, but if you're at the front lines anyway, it's some free retaliation. And who doesn't love some free retaliation? And then we have Hex, which is the automatic include for most of our builds, as that d6 necrotic damage can stack up on every single punch from our flurry of blows. The only thing holding it back is the action economy, since our martial arts slash flurry of blows, monk abilities, hexblade curse, and hex all use the bonus action. This means we'll only get the full combo on big bosses that are taking a lot of rounds to fell. But Hex can still act as our extra Hexblade's curse when we have multiple fights between short rests. And now let's finally talk some multi-class builds. Monk and Warlock don't mesh well late in the game, but their fairly early features can provide massive buffs to either strategy. The following builds all focus on one class, dipping just a bit into the other. First we have Way of the Hexmaster. If you're coming into this multi-class trying to maximize damage output, this is probably the strongest option. Firstly, we're making Monk our primary class and dipping just a single level into Warlock. 
and taking the Hexblade Patron. Our monk archetype doesn't really matter here, and you can pick what you'd like, though I'd recommend the Way of the Open Hand just for some extra effects on our attacks. Way of the Ascendant Dragon for elemental damage options is also a good choice, or the Way of the Shadow for extra utility and mobility. For our Warlock spells, we want to take Hex, which we can stack up alongside Hexblade's Curse to pile on damage. We have very limited spell slots here, but Hex is almost always going to be worth it. As stated in the Equipment section, we take a Battle Axe, Longsword, or Warhammer as our primary weapon and Hexblade and then we convert it into a monk weapon using our dedicated weapon feature. How does all of this work? Well, as a bonus action, we can target a creature using our Hexblade's curse and hit them once with our Hexblade. And on the next turn, we can hit them with the Hex spell and stack up the damage further. After that, we can start spending our bonus actions on Flurry of Blows, stacking up two attacks and then defaulting to a single bonus attack once we run out of key points using Martial Arts. Let's take an example of the build at 6th level. That's one Warlock level and five Monk levels. After stacking up Hexblade's Curse and Hex, we're free to do four attacks per turn on our target one normal attack, one from extra attack, and two bonus attacks from Flurry of Blows. Each of these four attacks gets all the damage buffs from our hexes and is a critical hit on a 19 or 20. Our weapon attacks can still be two-handed thanks to Versatile and deal 1d10 plus 1d6 plus proficiency plus dexterity modifier and our unarmed strikes deal 2d6 plus proficiency plus dexterity modifier. That means on average, even without critical hits, if all four attacks hit, we'll be dealing a whopping 60 damage. That's 2d10 plus 66 plus 12 plus 16. Admittedly, this requires us to have time to stack up the buffs, but even with just Hex or Hexblade's Curse, it's an impressive beatdown that you'll be able to dish out in pretty much any combat you want, or at least one where you're well-rested. And then we have Way of Dread. Similarly to the Hexmaster, we're only taking a single level of Warlock with the rest going towards Monk. This time, however, instead of Hexblade, we want to take the Undead Patron. Our goal here is less about DPS, and instead we're going to focus on inflicting the Frightened Condition as often as possible. For our Monk archetype, we want to take the Way of the Long Death, specifically to get the 6th level feature, Hour of Reaping. Hour of Reaping lets us use our action to force a Wisdom saving throw on every creature within 30 feet, and creatures who fail are frightened of us until the end of our next turn. When picking the Warlock spells, we still want to pick Hex as a powerful way to stack damage. Unlike the prior build, we don't have a way to pick up martial weapons, which means we're stuck with the best simple weapon with versatile, such as the quarterstaff or spear. So how does this one work? Well, we essentially have a lighter version of the previous DPS setup, but now we can also easily keep our enemies frightened of us for most of the combat. The undead patron grants us a form of dread that we can activate as a bonus action. This extra spooky mode gives us temporary hit points, and once during each of our turns, we can force a fear save on a target we hit with a melee attack. Hour of Dread lets us use our action to inflict a big burst of fear, and we can do both of our Hour of Dread and activate our Form of Dread on the same turn. Then on the next turn, we can use our bonus action to hex a target and start absolutely going to town inflicting damage and fear. Our damage output is a little bit lower, but using the same 6 level example, that's 5 levels of Monk and 1 level of Warlock, we're still at 4 attacks, generating an average of 46 damage once we have Hex and our Flurry of Blows up and running. But here, we can reasonably keep our opponents frightened, meaning you're unlikely to get swarmed, and whatever target you single out will have disadvantage on all of their attacks against you. You can become a dreadful martial arts monster. And then we have Pact of the Fist. This build trades off a bunch of the monk's inbuilt resilience for a little bit of bonus damage and much more utility. For this final build, we're swapping it up, taking only two levels of monk and the remaining 18 levels in Warlock. 
You may be tempted to take a third level in Monk for one of the Monk subclasses, and you can if you'd like, but I don't think you gain enough bang for your buck there. If you do end up taking the third level and an archetype, I'd recommend the Way of Mercy for the equivalent of a healing spell, Way of the Ascendant Dragon so that you can change up the damage type on your unarmed strikes if you like, or maybe the Way of the Drunken Master to avoid opportunity attacks, and because Way of the Drunken Master is how you have the most fun role-playing. Anyway, for our Warlock levels, we're once again taking Hexblade and the Hex spell, and since we're going all the way with Warlock, we also want to take the Pact of the Blade. With all these Warlock levels, we also get a bounce of Eldritch Invocations, and we want to make sure that we pick up Armor of Shadows, Improved Pact Weapon, and Thirsting Blade. For your remaining invocations, consider any of the Pact of Blade or Hex options, such as Eldritch Smite, Life Drinker, Maddening Hex for bonus psychic damage, or Relentless Hex. So how does this build work? Well, essentially in the same way, but with additional spell slots and a bit less raw damage. Firstly, we can ignore unarmored defense and our wisdom score because we have armor of shadows, free mage armor essentially, and can rely on that for our AC. Next, we want to do the same combination of Hexblade's Curse and Hex whenever possible, or perhaps just one for smaller foes. This will end up with a slightly lower average damage for our full 4 attack flurry of 58 damage, that's 2d10, 4d6, 2d4, and 12 plus 16, but with the ability to push it up even higher through spellcasting. For example, if we use the third level spell Spirit Shroud instead of Hex, that full flurry pushes up to 62 damage, that's 2d10, 4d8, 2d4, 12 plus 16. And it comes with the bonus benefits of stopping enemy healing and reducing their movement. Or through Maddening Hex, we can stack up extra psychic damage equal to our charisma modifier. For an average of 70 damage, that's 2d10, 4d6, 2d4, 12 plus 16, plus 12. Wow. This is honestly one of those multi-class builds I recommend to a lot of people that are getting into multi-classing for the first time at my table, if only because I find like things like a warlock monk are just interesting. Like, what's their story? What's How do you become a warlock monk? Tell me more about this character. But from a mechanical side, it's also a lot easier to plan everything out from the start, especially when you're just doing dips into another class. I think this can be good for anyone that's multi-classing for the first time or doesn't want to commit to a whole flow chart of ideas when plotting their multi-class character. Thank you guys so much for watching. I really appreciate it. Be sure to like and subscribe because we put out new content like this all the time. Go see what we're up to over at SkullsplitterDice.com. And if you're going to be building a Monk Warlock multi-class character, I would absolutely love to hear about them down in the comments. I love reading about your guys' characters. I really, really do. Thanks again for watching. My name's Patrick Ferguson from Skullsplitter Dice, and until next time, farewell.